Hi there, this is Pastor Ty, the Associate Pastor at Chippewa United Methodist Church, and I'm glad that you're here with us. This podcast today comes from our Bible study series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. We hope you've been enjoying the study, and here we go, chapter 4. Well, thank you for being here again this morning. Here we are in chapter 4. That's a quick book, but it's been really good, and I'm, yeah, so we'll definitely look at something for uh, the winter and the new year when it comes comes around for us, but let's go ahead and open with prayer, and we'll get into chapter 4. Good morning, God. As we find ourselves here in this space and at this time, as we find ourselves with an opportunity to look into your word, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that that spirit within your word and within us would just communicate in a beautiful way today, that we might hear from you and learn of you and be inspired by you. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Oh boy, all right. So here we are, chapter four of Philippians. Um, And we we recall that uh, Paul is in prison in Rome um, and the people of Philippi have sent along with uh, Epaphroditus from uh, their messenger, gifts to Paul to help care for him while he's in prison, to help supply for his needs. Uh, Roman prisons did not have, did not come with food and (laughs) other things. So to be in prison, you still had relied on others to care for you. And the people of Philippi were going to make sure that, that their gifts were received. Um, And so they sent Epaphroditus, a six-week journey from Philippi to Rome, but he made it. And after their time together, uh, Paul wanting to return Epaphroditus to the people of Philippi, and so he writes this letter of thanks um, with some, with a lot of encouragement in there, (laughs) a lot of encouragement. Uh, to hold on, to press on, to, to do the work of faith. So here we begin at chapter 4, verse 1. I don't know about you, but my verse 1 starts like at the end of the previous. <laughs> so I, had, I was like, I was searching for it the other day. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters... My joy and crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. His joy and his crown, dearly loved, dear friends, speaking just again of how beloved these people are to him, how dear they are. His joy, right, that um, not only has he been able to, to share Christ with them, but sees the fruit of that, what a joy that would be. His great love for those he has led um, to this faith in Jesus. 
and his crown. And I, and I love that it's just a continued metaphor. We've had the runners, we've had finishing the race. And for those in, in those um, Olympic games, right, it would be that crown. Yeah, that crown, that wreath kind of crown. Um, so not only that victory of, of a game, of a race, having won that, but also, um, also it talks of giving something like that to a distinguished guest at a, a dinner party or something, at, a, at some event. And so he is, he is feeling that, um, you know, they are his crown. He, his part of the race, there is victory in what he has been able to do. And so they're his joy and his crown. Really beautiful. But he's also encouraging them again to stand firm, right? He is, he's talked with them about what it is to be uh, just there in that pre previous few verses, what it is to, to work for that maturity of faith, what it is to um, see yourself as a citizen of heaven, not relying on, on what you possess because you're a Roman citizen. So standing firm in the Lord. And Paul uses um, in the Lord three times in the next couple of verses. Here, there in the first verse, um, stand firm in the Lord. Then in verse 2, there, he's going to encourage these women to agree in the Lord. And then in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Our strength, our unity, our joy all comes from the Lord. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot to say about these women. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So yes. Yeah, so here in verse two, I urge Yudia and I urge Sinchi to agree in the Lord. We know. Uh, Man, this is one of those things where I just, I almost wish that Greek were a second language so that as I read the names, I would know. Because for us, we can read those names and not have a clue. You know, it's not like it said Nancy and Betty, right? <laughs> this, is, this is not uh, simple for us <laughs> to understand like that. But, um, but grateful for those little footnotes and commentaries to be able to mention them. But it really doesn't mention, and I looked in another commentary, why they disagreed. I hope you... <laughs> well, no, that is something we don't know. No, I We mean, don't I, know what their disagreement was over. Over the Lord. But Betty, think of oh, in the kitchen. <laughs> we get women in there and just, you know what I'm saying? They want to work for the Lord, but they just can't work together. <laughs> just one of those. But I had to laugh because their name. Like, is it Yodia? Yep, Yodia. Yodia. Means sweet yeah. fragrance. Mm. And since she means affable, neither one of them. <laughs> and I were really sweet fragrance and affable. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, another word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and, it, there, I mean, there's just a million different reasons, 
right? I mean, it can be just a difference of opinion on something. I don't think we should do red. Well, we need to do blue, you know, whatever. Simple things. It, it could go much deeper, and we, you just never know. You just never know, unless you're actually in the midst of it. Yeah. <laughs> Question, Lord, when we arrive. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. But then I also think it's important that we highlight here that Paul is addressing two women that he says, because they're, so as we continue in verse three, yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side. Yeah, they right? started that church, didn't they? Well, I, I don't know that they started that church because they haven't been identified as the ones who started it, like Lydia would be. Oh, okay, sure. And yes. And so that's something. So uh, that's actually what I wanted to highlight is that they're here in Macedonia, in right in the part of in the part of where Philippi is here right, is, is in Macedonia. Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, those places in Macedonia, women are identified as leaders in the church. So, so just because in Corinthians, Paul talks about women needing to submit and, and, and do what they're supposed to, that's a very cultural thing for their area. Macedonia, women were owners of businesses, owners of property, but down in Corinth, uh-uh-uh-uh. So very interesting, right? That because, because actually in Philippi, Lydia was one of the first. It, on Paul's first journey, right, it, back in Acts 16, he's the, one of the first time, well, the first time he was there. Yes. That's right, with her purple cloth. Right, so it's, it's Lydia who was, I mean, if, if we were going to call anybody uh, one of the women who started the church, I would probably say Lydia because she was one of the first people he identifies there um, in Philippi. That's in Acts 16. He sat down and spoke to the women gathered there, a God-fearing woman named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And after, she and her household were baptized. She urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. But so, you know, so Lydia, but she was, so that also though identified her as being from specifically Thyatira, so a little outside of Philippi, not directly in the city. Um, but, yeah, a really important piece that Paul identifies the work of women alongside him in contending for the gospel. So whatever it is they were arguing about, he's encouraging them to at least be in agreement in the Lord, find unity in the Lord. We don't know any, anything more about Clement, only that his name was mentioned. <laughs> Um, and the rest of my co-workers who name, whose names are in the book of life. What are the different words? Uh, mine say yoke fella. 
Oh, so co-workers. 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 I'm interested in the words. What do you have? I have fellow workers. My fellow, fellow workers. workers. What, you don't have your Bible. But, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Fellow workers. I'll have to open it. Fellow workers. So mine's the only one that has yoke. Mm. Fellow. Well, mm. you're joined. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I mean, I know what I just am curious yeah. if we have different uh, words there with yeah. that. And um, they were not subordinate. They were equal. Yes. Definitely, definitely. Oh, there's another little. Yeah. Oh, no. That goes, I'm sorry. That's the first part. No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then moving on with verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. I mean, could we quote that verse more often? <laughs> is that one that is not more familiar? But again, he's using in the Lord. Where is our joy? It's in the Lord. When always, it is always in the Lord. And, and this is just, you know, reiterating in all places, in all times, in all circumstances, as he sits in prison, you know, joy can't be taken because you can't take Jesus from, from you. So, so your joy is always yours. It is always there in all things. Um, verse five, let your graciousness or maybe gentleness or it could be something else be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The Lord is by your side, right? The Lord is there with you. And, and that um, graciousness is, is the way it was translated in, in this, in my translation here. But gentleness, I'm used to gentleness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, okay, so this is, this is one of those words that is kind of tricky to translate into English um, because it, it's, all, it's an understanding of uh, being equitable, being fair, grace-filled. Um, it's, not, it's not only that you are just, but it's a justice that's seasoned with mercy. So, yeah, so, so is it that you're gentle, you're gracious, you're, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's hard to really capture that full meaning, equitable, just with mercy, you know, it's more than fair. So, even grace-filled. But let that be known to everyone. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Again, one of those verses, right? One of those ones that stand out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Verse four just has all of these really good ones. Yeah, <laughs> it just keeps going. Um, so, no matter your circumstances, do not allow anything to cause you worry. But in everything, constant prayer, constant thanksgiving. That thanksgiving with an implication of gratitude and submission. Bring it all to God, constantly, always, in everything. 
Hey, Ty. Yeah. Interesting thing. Another thing. Yeah. The truth about worry. This is concerning mm -hmm. uh, chapter 4, verse 6. These are facts. Now, this Bible was went to print, copy-baked recently, I think about three, four years ago. Maybe not even that. But these were statistics then. These are facts about worrying. 40% of the things people worry about never happen. 30% of our worries are related to past matters, which are now beyond our control. I don't know how they get these statistics, but 12% of our worries have to do with our health, even when we are not actually ill. 10% mm -hmm. of our worries are about friends and neighbors and are not based in evidence or fact. Only 8% of our worries have some basis in reality, which means that over 90% of the things we worry about never happen. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. You know what? Just give it up. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Give it up and be grateful, be thankful. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's what it says, in everything, let your request be made known to God. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, when, I, when you put it that way. Yeah. Well. Ninety percent of what we're afraid about. Yes. We can do nothing about, mm -hmm. but we let it eat away at us mm -hmm. and tear us apart. Mm -hmm. And it's just how fruitless. And mm -hmm. mine has self-centered and counterproductive worry. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Tying all that into the bed. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I was, you know, we all have those little sayings in our family. My grandmother's was, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. yeah. Nothing I can do about that. Somebody else is doing or out of my control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then verse 7, when we've done all of these things, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That understanding is really more of like it's, it's, it's something I can't produce. So it's not that we can't comprehend it, but it's something we could never produce, manufacture, um, to be able to understand. And the peace of God, the peace of God is not um, just, I think I have it somewhere else written down too, but, but God's peace is not an absence of chaos. God's peace is not an absence of worry. God's peace is, a, is just... God's peace is an understanding of, of God's wanting are the best for us in every way. So to say shalom to somebody isn't just saying, oh, I hope you have a good day. <laughs> you know, that, that shalom peace is saying to someone, I'm wishing the very best that God has. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of peace. Absolutely. Hmm. Now we get into starting at verse 8. I, I've just always loved these words. I have yet to commit it to memory, but I'm, it's on my list. <laughs> Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is 
honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So I was really curious as I was doing some study to say, okay, what do they really mean by these words? <laughs> is it just our general definitions of true, of honorable? Um, so whatever is, whatever is true, whatever will not let you down, you know, something that you can put your complete faith in, you can trust that that is true. Whatever is honorable, um, what is uh, seriously dignified. Whatever is just. And, and not just just towards other people, but also just towards God. What is pure, undefiled, that was, yeah. Um, whatever is lovely, and, and this one, it was like, well, also whatever calls forth love, not just something pretty to look at, but, but it is, you know, that calling up of love that, I don't know, even thought or feeling, like it, it just stirs within you. Whatever calls forth love, whatever is commendable, fit for God to hear. If anything, if there is any moral excellence, and, and this is every kind of excellence, um, dwell on these things. I, I'm not going to be able to get the right statistics, but it's something like, like it requires something like um, four or five positive comments to outweigh one negative one. You ever heard something like that? You know that. Um, well, it goes back to the adage: one, you know, rotten apples spoils the barrel. Right. Yeah. Right. It is, and you know, and even like, no matter how many times you say to a friend. Oh, you look lovely today. And they just come back with, oh, no. Oh, no, I love that top. Well, it's, you know, those people who just can't receive a compliment or don't recognize or feel themselves to be worthy of a compliment or something like that. And so to just say it one time. Well, that's. Yeah. And when you live in a world where you're constantly worried, where all you see is negative things and only hear negative things, you know, think of the people who just sit and watch the news all day and all they do then is complain about the state of the world. Everything's horrible. Nothing's right. Everything's wrong. Nothing will ever be right. Why? Because there's a newscaster who shared a story at, Ten times because you've been watching it all day, so they've repeated the news cycle, you know. 
<laughs> Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah. He fixes everything. Yeah. Well, but so that's why Paul's over here going, no, stop thinking about those things. Don't dwell on that. Think about the things that are good and lovely and commendable and praiseworthy. Think on those things. Think on all of that, all of that, that God has placed in this world. Think of those things that are excellent. And then verse 9, because he's talking about the God of peace again. Verse 9, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So of course you're going to have an unsettled spirit when you think of all of those negative things constantly. And you can hear Jesus saying that verse. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is. I mean, this is, Paul likes, Paul refers to um, God as a God of peace, wanting your highest good several times in Scripture. Um, he likes to use that reference for God. And that we would do these things. He's not just saying them so that you can hear them and say, oh, that was a nice little talk. And, oh, doesn't he have a good life? <laughs> he, he doesn't have, he doesn't let things worry him. Um, but we, that, that we would accept these teachings and then do that. Do what he's asking and do what he's saying. Because it really will give us that peace. It'll help us to understand, receive God's highest good when we do these things. Yeah. So then on to verse 10. Just more of this thank you. <laughs> I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it course, because of his distance. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content. Um, that word content we're going to come back to. In whatever circumstances I find myself, I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. So when, with Paul's use of the word content here, he is referring to the stoic understanding of self-sufficiency. And so he is combating here that stoic belief that, um, that you... To, to have no need or concern for anything else. To be without is, was really, you know, only having what you need was really the goal. And recognizing, this is just so crazy to me, but to say, like, um, my food spoiled and to respond with, well, I don't care. To know that a friend had been injured, well, I don't care. So it was a process of completely removing all emotion, not allowing anything, even to the point of a loved one dying. Well, I don't care because it's not, it's self-sufficient. It's um, having no feeling that there's no thing and no one that you 
need or have use for. Just the simple, simpleness, simpleness of life. I thought it was referring to the fact that contentment is a choice. Yes, well, that was that stoic belief system. So that is not what Paul is saying. That's what, this, that's what he was speaking against, okay. right? Because the stoic understanding is, right, I am content even when those things happen, but it is because they've completely devoided themselves of emotion and concern, right? Yes, Paul, however, is saying, I have learned to be content. I've learned, just as, as the Stoics say, I know what it is to be content. He's saying, I've learned what it is to be content, whether I have nothing or whether I have all things. So they're over here going, I want nothing, and that is how I, I know I'm content, because I have no need, I have no care, no concern. He's like, oh, I know what it is to be content whether I'm in plenty or in want. But it is because of the divine understanding, because of God's sufficiency, because, because of a great connection that he possessed with God. So God is the one who is providing. And whether it seems that I have little or I have much, it is sufficient for what God needs for me in those moments. And so Paul saw it all as a divine gift, not as something to be devoid of and, you know, not having any kind of connection or concern. So he had no need to disassociate because he's saying, it doesn't matter what comes, I can handle it because of Christ's strength for me right? So, so the Stoics are going, I am getting myself used to being without and, and getting rid of my emotion and not being affected by things because that's how I can handle it. That's the way to be able to, but, but Paul is saying, no, there's emotion in this. This is hard. This is not easy. This is a difficult life, but Christ is going to provide all that you need to strengthen you, to get you through. Yeah, I just found a book. Yes, yes. Um, the Greek word for being content is also strat, uh, translated as satisfied, adequate, competent, or sufficient. Um, and there's a commentary by, I don't know the name, Charles Kelly. Maybe you do. Well, I've passed her somewhere. <laughs> Christian contentment is the God-given ability to be satisfied with the loving provision of God in any and every situation. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to quote Second uh, Corinthians, First Timothy, he says, happiness is temporary and fleeting. Joy and contentment are eternal. Yeah, yeah. So it's that joy that cannot be taken because it's ours in Christ Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's the contentment that again is through Christ. Through Christ. Not, not disassociating, not devoid of all things,
but it is actually because of our understanding and who we know Christ to be and of God's love for us. Yeah. That's actually a fun little side note how I came into the world. Um, 413. My mom used that verse as, as like her, her breathing mantra. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> yeah. Verse 14, still you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. So even though, Paul says, I knew that, I, that God would provide for my needs in whatever way was, ne- was necessary, you continued to partner with me. And you, um, uh, you know, just the gratitude there, and you have been with me in this hardship. 15, and you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. I mean, it wasn't that he was that far away, but just, you know, around the bend in Thessalonica. So verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the payoff that is increasing to your account. It's not that he wants what they have, but he wants for them what they will receive because of their giving. Right? So like yesterday's sermon in, in the sheep and the goats, I want you to receive that righteousness because from God because of how you are caring for those around you, knowing that it is because of God's love, because you understand the love of God and the love of Christ, and, and because you understand what it is to care for the least of these, your brothers and sisters. 18, but I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And that's just a beautiful image for him to use there as well. That re- recalling of you know, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures of what it was to bring an acceptable um, sacrifice to the Lord. Out of, not because it was, a, you know, not of, out of selfish ambition, Um, but just out of love. Verse 19, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So there, just just as Paul understood that he was able to be content, knowing his needs would be supplied, yours as well will be supplied. As you have given, um, God will care for you. And then verse 20, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you'd think like, okay, well, that's it. But then there's always the final greeting, right? (laughs) So greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Um, But their Caesar's household, we read that and we're like, oh, wow, the people that Caesar lives with, like his family? No, that's not really what that means. Caesar's household would be like the, the general, like, government. 
So here he's saying, um, not the literal house, but, but he's saying, hey, folks, the, uh, the word is infiltrating, you know, the government. There are people within those positions. Yeah. Abs- yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, no, it's all right. Yeah. And then he just leaves them. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So Paul's ultimate gift to them is just his blessing. You know, his, his letter of thanksgiving, um, this joy in expressing gratitude to, to all of them. Uh, but, you know, that other than, you know, it, there's no gift, no gift he's received or sending to them. But there is this gift that they're always in his prayers that they are always, um, that he's always praying that blessing over them and that strength over them. Yeah. Pretty incredible. <laughs> Man, I would love to get a letter like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. And you get the feeling also, or I did as I was reading this, is as though Paul was talking to them as a father, mm. and they are his children. Mm. When you read some of them, I think, he's just talking to them just like daddy would. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes. And, uh, right, when he says, you're my joy. My, yeah, yeah. You're my joy and my crown. And wanting every good thing for them. Well, in verse 9, he had to be confident uh, I don't know how to say this. You know, uh, the things which you learned, received, heard, and saw in me. Mm-hmm. You do. Yes. You, you have to... I don't know what I'm saying. He's the example. Yeah, but he wants to give. Mm-hmm. You know, the confidence you brought, the confidence you brought, is so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That to be able to say, hey, you have an example. You have a witness of what it looks like to live this faith. You, you've heard from me how difficult my journey has been, but you know my commitment to God. You know my faithfulness and my confidence in Christ Jesus and that nothing can sway that. Nothing is going to come in the way of that. So continue to rejoice. Don't let yourselves, because this is, there they are in this Roman colony. This is not an easy life. You do not find yourself in an easy position. So hold fast. Stand firm. Press on. Don't give in. Don't let your thought, don't even let your thoughts be taken over. This is, this is hard, but it is worth it. It is worth it all. And you are going to receive those rewards. You know, you will see that, that God will supply all of your needs. All of your needs. Just, yeah. Man. It's just so beautiful. Can we start all over again? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just go back to the beginning. Just go back. Look at it again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. For him was a sacrifice on their part? 
it may it may have been an actual physical sacrifice for them to give or just as you would see in the Old Testament, you know, that God would would ask a sacrifice that would look and be a certain thing or a certain amount or at a certain time of year. So so whatever it was, um, not that it necessarily strained them, it could have. It could have been a strain for them or it could have just been here, here is what we have and here is what we're offering you. And it's just seen as that perfect, that perfect offering. Yeah, that perfect gift. Yeah, but then it also very mel- may well have been a sacrifice. You know, to not fully understand exactly what hardships they were already experiencing um, as, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ and the, and the, the movement of the way within that Roman colony, to what degree they may have already been feeling that persecution. So it may have been a great sacrifice uh, from what they were able to have and to be able to get it to Paul and, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) not let somebody slip and know that they sent something to that one who's in prison. Yeah. And that was out of his need. Right. Mm-hmm. And their generosity, their love. Mm-hmm. And then now it says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches because of what you, mm-hmm. I'm using the word, sacrifice. Yeah. You yeah. sacrificed to give or mm-hmm. whatever you gave. Yes. Mm-hmm. Returns to you. Your needs will, I can't express yeah. myself. <laughs> No, yeah, you're saying it. Right. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe that would be a good tithing. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, that just spoke to right. me that you know, and, and the word need. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I, I hear you. Well, I, you know, I don't know if you've how many testimonies you've heard of people who have, you know, there's one uh, pastor that I've heard recently talk about how how he um, he heard God saying to to him like, um, I know your need, but are you willing to be obedient in what I want for from from you? So. He like was like, okay, I need to pay attention. So he knew that there was like a, a mortgage payment that was getting pretty tight, and he wasn't sure how he was going to do to pay that. But there was a, a single mom in his congregation, and he just really felt God led him to be able to take him some gro- take them some groceries. So he just went through the story said and just kind of felt like these were things that they might need, left it at the doorstep, didn't say anything, didn't put a note, just left the groceries. And then a week later, as that mortgage payment was getting closer, he really felt like God wanted him to give the single mom $500. So he decided he would, in obedience, do this, and he 
went to the woman and he said, I feel like God is telling me I need to give you this money. And she was like, oh my goodness, you know, this is exactly what I needed. She's like, I don't know how, but, but God knew last week I couldn't, I couldn't buy groceries and groceries appeared on my doorstep. And this week I didn't know how we were going to be able to pay the light bill. And here you are. And, um, and then, okay, there's, there's the obedience right? It wasn't for personal or selfish gain. There was a need, and that need was provided for. And then he just waited because, okay, I was so obedient, God. Are you, what are you going to do? How am I going to pay my mortgage now? And, and, you know, through circumstances, there were some phone calls that, that the person, that the pastor received, and all of a sudden, something that they thought wasn't going to happen for years down the road. Boom, it happened, and all of a sudden he had enough to be able to take care of his own needs. You know, so, it, so it's the idea of saying, I'm giving to you, not so that I can receive. I am giving, and that's the sacrifice. The, the sacrifice is recognizing that what we give is an honor and glory to God. And it's when that is our attitude, all of a sudden, you know, there are just things that like, oh, I wasn't anticipating that. I didn't expect that. But God just provides in these incredible ways that you never would have expected. He's, he's fulfilling things according to his glorious riches. Because it's there. Right? God has, has and is able to give and to do so there's a, a level of obedience, but also just a level of gratitude to God. And just, I just want to do and I want to give because that's who you, God, call me to be. And I know it'll bring glory to you. And whatever happens to me, I will be content, as Paul says. Whether I can have that want <laughs> of mine <laughs> or not, I will be content. Knowing Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But I love that even, even in obedience, it's not the kind of parochial type of obey these laws, this and these rules, that is obedience. But the understanding that I am I'm following this and I'm going to live my life according to this because I love my God. And, and so it's a joyful obedience, right? Mm -hmm. And not a hardship obedience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, ladies, well, folks, we've made it through the letter of Philippians. From the, that little beginning video overview, we've done the whole thing. Done the whole thing. And, um, and I, I gave you those printed copies, and I'll, um, I sent them in an email once, but I'll, I'll attach them again just in case. Because um, it is a great little... <laughs> A great little graphic, a great little diagram to be able to look at and get that synopsis and overview. And um, just really helps us kind of 
with perspective on, on the whole thing. But, but in, I'm glad you brought up that obedience and just the joyful obedience. Um, and I like how you said that, that joyful obedience. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I've struggled with that word too. And am I being obedient to God? Mm -hmm. I'm trying desperately, mm -hmm. you know, to be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, what do you want, how do you want to be remembered? And I said, I just want people to think that Jesus is in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I do, I truly mean that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it is very difficult. And I, yeah, I hear that. And I, the, the um, expectations of others, other Christians, well, you would, you would say certain things or believe certain things or do certain things if you really love God or if you really knew God. And I think, you know, no, I, I know who I know God to be and who, what God thinks of me. And so I am not going to allow someone else's thoughts to dictate how I feel about my love for God. While there are some things that, yes, we absolutely need to be convicted of and need to be um, hopefully uh, <laughs> graciously corrected in, in our faith and, and from other Christians, there are also those things that we just need to be able to say, I know who I am in Christ. I know that I love people. I know that I, I am kind and gracious, and I know that I mess up, and I know that sometimes I have a harsh word. And, and God still loves me, <laughs> and his grace is sufficient for me, and I will continue in joyful obedience to live my life for the one that I love, who, who has loved me so well and I will not allow you know I won't take offense at what someone else says <laughs> which is so hard <laughs> it's so hard yeah well we kind of begun began with um a prayer and so I thought we might just end this way together by praying together John Wesley's covenant prayer because I think it really helps to Bring all of this kind of together. Can you see that? I can, I don't know what's going to happen over there, but better? No, that's better. Okay, good. Okay, let's pray. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or lay aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O oh glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, 
let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. Again, this is Pastor Ty, the Associate Pastor here at Chippewa United Methodist Church, and we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. So don't forget, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss next week's sermon. And you can find us at Chippewa United Methodist Church on Facebook, Vimeo, SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you soon.